Well, welcome everybody to Grace this weekend. It's good to see you. We're having uh, a new series, we're in a new series right now called Creatures of Habit. And uh, what we're talking about is taking our habits, the way God wired us to be kind of habitual people, and using those habits for spiritual growth. So there was one survey out, one study out actually says that about 40% of what we do, we do habitually. I don't know if that number's dead on or not, but it's probably close. We're wired that way. We're wired to kind of function uh, through habitual things, through reflex things. God created us that way, so there's nothing wrong with that. But like all aspects of our lives, we need to take kind of that part of our wiring and bring it under God's definition and God's control. And when we do that, it becomes an asset. It becomes something that allows us to kind of reflex or turn to God in a habitual way. I gave you this quote last weekend. Uh, Somebody said, habits make terrific friends and terrible enemies. They make terrific friends and terrible enemies. So the the healthy things that I do habitually are great. It's just what I kind of long for, what I think about, what I think to do. And then the unhealthy things, the same thing happens. It's what I long for, what I think about, what I think to do. If I can bring that under God's definition, it becomes a terrific friend for me. So we were looking at the Bible a little bit last weekend, and uh, we saw that there's different types of habits in the Bible. There's bad habits illustrated in the Bible. There's things that the Bible would say, this is what you're prone to do. You need to stop it, break away from those things, do something different, replace it. Uh, There's what we call benign habits in the Bible. They just kind of are. The Apostle Paul says, for instance, like exercise is, is of some benefit. So it's a, it's a good thing. It's a benign thing. It's not sinful. Uh, it may even be healthy, but it won't save your soul. That's the point he was making. So if you want to lose some weight or start exercising, I encourage you to do that. Just know that, that that's not going to redeem you spiritually. And then there are illustrations in the Bible of spiritual habits, things that actually draw us closer to God and allow us to be in a position where we can actually have life change and actually align ourselves with the heart of God. So Jesus had some of these habits. Now, we talked about how Jesus habitually, or as was his custom is the way the Bible says it, he got away and he spent time just with his father. Uh, He would get away and just pray, and that's a spiritual habit. He would isolate himself. He would zero in on God, and of course, that would strengthen him and help him and, uh, and bring about the, the connection with God that he was looking for. So that's, that's the level of habit that we're talking about. We're not talking about healthy living or changing your diet. That stuff's fine. Go for it, right? It's, it's fine. It's no big deal. But we want to talk about the spiritual side of that, things that draw us closer to God, invite God into the pro- our, our living, our life, and actually bring about long-term and eternal change in us. Uh, the first habit that we, we uh, started looking at last week was fasting. And what we did was we, we looked at kind of the, the way that the average North American spends their day. And so we just read some surveys and we said that uh, the average North American spends about 3.8 hours a day on some kind of social media. Uh, the number's a lot higher for younger people. One of my youth pastors sent, sent us uh, a stat. It's seven to eight hours a day for a uh, teenager or younger, spends with some type of media, television, social media, internet, et cetera, right? And so we saw that. Uh, We saw that the average North American adult watches uh, television between seven 
and eight hours a day. So we spend lots of time. Those are benign habits. They're not good. They're not bad. It depends on what you're doing with those things. Uh, If you watch the Steelers debacle last night, that's sin. See, so it just all kind of depends on what you what you do with it, right? But we said let's let's weigh that against our spiritual habits. We read other surveys said this of North Americans who say that they pray, right? So who prays? People raise their hand. Of the people who raise their hand, the average person in that group spends about one minute a day in prayer, as opposed to seven eight hours in media. Uh, of the North Americans who said they read their Bible, uh, 74% of the people who said that said they read their Bible about four or five times a year outside of church. So it's not that television and social media is like this big evil sin. It's when you compare it to your spiritual habits. And when I'm taking in all this media seven, eight hours a day and I'm spending a minute in prayer or basically never in God's word. And then I look and say, well, I wish my life would change. I wish I could be closer to God. I wish I could have a healthier family. I wish my marriage was vibrant. Well, there it is. That's the section that you would kind of lean into and say, boy, that's the type of stuff that I need to change. I'm not inviting God into those relationships. Therefore, I'm not seeing the outcome that I hope for. So we said, let's look and let's talk about What kind of habits could we put in place to bring about that change? And that's where we talked about fasting. So uh, this was the definition of fasting we put out. And we said, fasting is when I deprive myself of something I habitually want or need for the purpose of spiritual growth. So I deprive myself of something I habitually want or need for the purpose of spiritual growth. Fasting is not adding, it's subtracting from my life. And it's something that I habitually want or need. So this is the idea when I go to reach for that thing that I've said no to instinctually, coffee, social media, my, my smartphone, that kind of stuff, and it's not there, right? Because I purposely took it out of my life for a time. It doesn't mean forever because it's not a sin. So it's just for a time. When I go to reach for it, it's not there. It reminds me to go to God. So I invited everybody to join me on a 21-day spiritual fast last weekend. If you weren't here, I want to invite you now to join me on a 14-day spiritual fast. Just jump in, seriously. Take something out of your life. When it's not there, it reminds you to turn to God. And I promised you, in fact, several of you have been messaging me. I know this is working. Like all of a sudden, you're praying way more than one minute a day. You're spending a lot more than, than uh, zero time in God's word because the constant reminder, oh, that's right, that's gone, and it triggers me to go to God. So that's a spiritual habit. If you're looking at things in your life and you want to see life change or you're feeling distance from God, uh, you can go and say, I'm going I'm to fast for a while. It can be for however long you want. But I'm going to fast, and it's going to remind me to turn to God. And all that conversation's out online. You can listen to it in detail if you want. The, the, the habit I want to introduce to you this weekend is prayer, prayer, okay? So when you talk about fasting, 99.9% of the time in the Bible, prayer and fasting are connected to each other. So I want to talk about prayer. I want to talk about the habit of prayer. This is the way that we defined it. Prayer is our interactive conversation with God. Prayer is our interactive conversation with God. I want to talk about what it is, what it isn't, and how we can turn that into a healthy habit in our Lives. Now, this would be my guess. Uh, the national surveys say this uh, 94% of North Americans say that they pray. 
So I would venture to guess of the 94%, those of us who got up and came to church, I'm sure fall mostly in that category, right? So it almost sounds a little bit anticlimactic when I say, we're gonna, I'm gonna teach you guys how to pray because most of us would raise our hands and say, eh, I kinda know how to do that. Like I've been doing that a long time. I know a lot about prayer. I know what to do, etc." And I would say, that's great, but let's talk about this a little bit because when we talk about prayer and we talk about interacting with God, my experience has been, I'm, you probably have it down perfectly, but my experience has been, that most of us have incorrect preconceived ideas about what prayer is and what prayer isn't. So prayer is our interactive conversation with God. If you're like me, I had to unplug some things in order to understand what prayer is because for many of us, when we were taught about prayer, we were taught about it in several ways. We may have been taught about it in a formal way, for instance. That when you pray, the way to pray is you do these things, right? Uh, You go to church, and when the pastor or the priest stands up and says something, you repeat it back, and that's prayer. Or you learned an acronym, and so I click through this list of things, and that's what prayer is, and it's a formal thing, right? Now, many of us were taught prayers that we memorized and we count those as our prayers, right? So pray, praying for us is saying something that I memorized that's not really a prayer anymore. Now it's just a poem that I remember. So the one I was taught as a kid was, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray my Lord my soul to take, right? That was my prayer. I don't mean that when I say it. I just remember it. It's a poem. I also learned this poem. I eat peas with honey. I've done this all my life. They do taste kind of funny, but it keeps them on my knife, right? Both of those have the same meaning for me if I'm just kicking them out. That's not a prayer. That's a poem, right? Uh, Many of us have learned that prayer is something that I say is a good luck charm. So I, I need to pray. I need to pray before my test, and I'll say a certain set of words, or I need to pray before my trip, or you better pray before you eat, or you'll like choke on your food and die. Everybody knows that, right? And so, and we'll, we'll institute prayer in a habitual way, but we're just cranking something out. We're not necessarily interacting with God. So when God talks about prayer, he says, what I want you to do is pray without ceasing, I want you to be in a constant, interactive relationship with me throughout the day, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for something you memorize. I'm not looking for you to show up at a certain place. I'm not looking for you to to practice a habit that involves some noises. I want you to interact with me, share your heart with me. I'm going to share my heart with you, and we're going to do that in a relational way throughout the day. That's what prayer is is, okay? So what I want, I want to show you this. We're going to unplug some stuff, plug some stuff back in. Like I said, you probably got this down, but you know, for the person sitting next to you, they don't know. And so we're going to, we're going to kind of work this through a little bit. And I want to show you what Jesus says about prayer. So this is kind of his master teaching on prayer. Flip your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6. And this is Jesus talking about prayer, and this is what we need to know. When Jesus gave this talk on prayer, this teaching on prayer, he was teaching this to people who grew up praying. So he was teaching this to Jewish leaders and and Jewish people. 
uh, either the Pharisees, the, the teachers of the law, the, 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 the teachers, or the crowds listening to him and his disciples, all of them were Jewish, or the vast majority of them would have been at least, and they all would have grown up, we would say, going to church and learning how to pray. So when Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray, they would have had the same reaction, like, I've been praying my whole life, I don't need to learn how to pray. And Jesus would say, oh, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Let, let, let me unplug some stuff, let me plug some other stuff in, and, and he is talking to folks who are very much like us, and this is what he says in verse five. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus unplugs a bunch of stuff and plugs a bunch of stuff in and I think it will help us with our habit of prayer. This is the first thing Jesus says in chapter six, verse five of Matthew. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Jesus would say this, here's the big principle. He would say, listen, when you pray, that prayer is between you and me. It's not between you and a bunch of other people. That prayer is between you and me. It's not between you and a bunch of other people. And I want that to be your motive. What he's talking about here, these hypocrites or these spiritual leaders, they would stand up in church and they would pray to impress people or they would pray so that other people would hear what they would say. You ever been around somebody like that? A loud talker? And, and they're, they're not talking to you, but they want you to hear it. So they say what they want to say to you to someone else with the hopes that you tune in so you get your point, right? And so they would pray this way. They would pray trying to prove a point to someone else. Dear Lord, dear Lord, I pray for Jeff Bug, leader of Grace Church, that he would turn the subwoofer down, Lord, for the protection of our hearing, and Lord, just help him to know your, right? Or it's grandma at the table. Dear Lord, I pray for everyone who hasn't gone to church in three weeks and got a tattoo, that they would know that they would, th that was that. That's what he's talking about. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. We, we don't pray to show off. We don't pray to make a point. Prayer is your heart connecting to my heart. This, this is not the motive of prayer. And then, and then he goes on in verse six. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And there's a couple things there. He's saying, listen, you, you're dialing into my heart. You're not making yourself look good and you're not making a point. You're dialing into my heart. And so go to a private place. Rid yourself of distractions, right? Now we're going to see here in a minute, we can pray anywhere, anytime for anything. That wasn't Jesus's point that you have to be secretive about your prayer. It's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this, if the point of prayer is to dial in to me, then dial in to me. 
And guys, one of the habits that I would encourage you to have is to daily have a time of prayer that you are undistracted in your relationship with God. So the cell phone's away. Don't, don't, don't pray with the phone on vibrate. Pray with the phone off. Don't pray with, with the, the computer on your desk, right? Have a time when the noise is gone, the TV's gone. Sometimes we might say, well, my prayer time's in my car on the way to work. That's great. I would keep that. It's terrific. But it's distracted, probably, because probably you're praying and you're kind of hearing who the Browns are interviewing, and then there's traffic, and then there's noise, and then there's I'm running late, and my mind is racing a little bit. It's a great thing to do, but is there an undistracted time, right, where you're just with God? And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's pushing at the heart or the motive of prayer. I'm not proving a point. I'm not showing off. I'm not throwing it in there. I'm, I'm engaging the heart of my father and I'm, I'm dialing down and spending time calming down and sharing my heart with him and that will be rewarded. This is what Jesus means by this idea of it being secret. Verse six, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The reward is not that if you go into a room and lock the door and pray, you get what you want. That's, that's never the way that prayer works. The reward is that when I isolate and I put away distractions and I reach for the heart of my father, he'll reach for my heart as well. That real relationship will actually happen because I'm actually engaging God and I'm actually locking into who he is. So I'm listening to him as he listens to me and it's rewarding that that would happen. So Jesus leans into that and he says, listen, it's, it's your heart and my heart. It's not... It's not your, your voice with a bunch of other ears. Don't pray with that motive. And, and, and remember, you're interacting with me, so let's give me time and give me attention and remove the distractions. And then verse seven and eight kind of builds on this same mindset. Jesus says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of the many words don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And this is, this is the idea of using prayer as a good luck charm. So in this culture, the pagans, that just means godless people, non-followers of God. What they believed is that if they said certain words, they'd get a certain result. So right before they went to you know, take the SAT, they would say a certain way, and they're like, oh, that'll get me two more points, right? They, they, would, they would use prayer as a good luck charm, and so they'd have these repetitious prayers, or sometimes they would, they would actually just make noises. That was the context of what Jesus was saying. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't be like that. I'm not a good luck charm. Remember, you're engaging me, and it's my heart and your heart. That's what prayer is. So... We see good luck charm prayers in our culture all the time, right? The, the football player who prays right before the football game, that's a, that's a good luck prayer. Uh, when, when Kanye gathers the band together to pray before the concert, he's not actually inviting Christ to be the focal point of the evening, right? It's, it's a good luck thing. I want something to go the way I want it to go, so I'm going to say this prayer real quick. And our prayers of safety or our prayers before dinner time kind of work like this. And, and this is the good luck prayer. And Jesus is saying, no, 
No, don't, don't babble like godless people. You're, you're my children. Lock your heart into my heart. Block out the noise for a little bit and interact with me. That's what I want it to be, okay? So it's the sincerity, it's the focus, it's the discipline of doing that. Now, I grew up in church. I don't know, some of you did, some of you didn't, but I grew up in church, and I have, I have heard probably tens of thousands of prayers over the, the course of my life. And, and you see this whole range, right? The, uh, at the church I grew up in, there was, a, there was several guys that they could pray in the old English, man, they were good. Heavenly Father, we beseech you, thou Father, for thy abundant blessings and thy agape love. I'm like, oh, that's impressive. Like they, they said many words I don't understand at all. They never talk that way in real life, but they're praying, that's, that's the way, right? Uh, now it's the hipster prayer that's in. What's up, big guy? How's it going? Just want to give you some K-love and some, how's your son be jizzle? You know, and it's just like, it's like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about either. The, the one that I, that makes me cringe is the overly affectionate prayer. You know that one? Heavenly Father, Daddy, Daddy Jesus, Daddy, I just crawl into your lap and wrap myself in your fuzzy blanket tunic and I just, oh, I love you. I'm just like, you know, I, I don't do well with that. And so if that's the way you talk or that's the way you think, then, then pray that way, right? But any, anything that is show-offy, anything that's a prayer voice, anything that's I have to be in a certain building for my prayers to be heard, that's what Jesus is pushing against. He's, like, he's saying, no, stop. This is not what I want. I want your heart, your voice, and your mind. That of all the prayers I've heard in my life, and I, I'm serious, I bet you it's been tens of thousands, that the, one of the ones that sticks out the most, that I remember the most, involved the F-bomb. And I, I was sharing Christ with a friend. He was struggling with alcoholism. He, he was accepting Jesus. I was leading him, to, his name's Randy, he's with the Lord now. And we're, we're leading him to the Lord. And this was his prayer. God, I have really my life up. Please help me. And I'm telling you, that prayer resonated with the heart of God. And God helped him. And Heidi and I helped him. And we worked on his vocabulary. <laughs> you know, I mean, it... But he, he was pouring his heart out with words that he knew. And that's what pleased God. See? That's what pleased God. He, he was a broken person who was laying himself out in a humble way before his God. Right? And he shared his heart. He wasn't impressing. He didn't care that the pastor was in the room with him. See how that works? That's what Jesus is pushing at there. He's saying, listen, no, 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 don't be a hypocrite. You're not showing off. Be with me. Don't, don't recite things you learned. Now, listen, if you want to say a prayer that's written or say a prayer that you learned as a, as a child or repeat the Lord's Prayer, guys, it's great if you, if you mean it, right? I often pray, I often pray when, when I'm in, in services, I often pray the words to the songs. Like I, the, the music here really presses deep into my heart and so I'll often pray that. That's, that's all fine if you mean it. See, if your heart's locked into it, if you're zeroed in on God, that's the point. So that's what Jesus unplugs. He's like, people pray in their whole life, right? 94% of all ancient Jews prayed, right? So they, they pray their whole life 
And he's like, let, let me just clarify this a little bit, what I'm talking about when I say prayer. And then he goes on and he says, listen, if you want to pray and you want to connect with me, let, let me show you how to position your heart and your mind to connect with me. These are the things that, that I love. So he goes on, right? So uh, verse nine, he says then, he says this, this then is how you should pray, right? Instead of that way, you should pray this way. This then is how you should pray. Now, let's just pause here for a second. I want you to look at that sentence closely. This then is how, the word how is circled in my Bible. This then is how you should pray. Jesus does not say this then is what you should pray. So Jesus doesn't say, whenever you're going to pray, say these words. No matter what, when you're in church, run through these ones real quick. If you're having a hard time, crank these out and you'll, you'll be good. That's not what he's saying. So he says, how, not what. And he's talking about how do I position my heart and how do I position my mind to invite and interact with God. Now, again, if the Lord's prayer is said from your heart, then say it all day, every day. Okay, that, that's great. That's just not, Jesus' point isn't crank these things out. He's saying, think this way and position this way, okay? So verse nine, this then is how we should pray, our Father in heaven. Let's just stop here for a second. When we pray, we are praying to our Father in heaven. One of the, one of the most difficult teachings for our culture to grab hold of of Jesus, and yet one of the ones he's most unapologetic about is this. Jesus is exclusive in his view of who God is and how to connect with him. So Jesus would believe in what we call a monotheistic God. Jesus would say there is one God, period, and all other gods are false and all other gods are lies. My, the, the God of heaven, we call him the triune God, so the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, right? One, one, three people, one God is, it's, right? So the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are our Father in heaven, and Jesus would say, you only pray to the God of heaven. You don't pray to your higher power. Uh, you don't pray to another God. It's, it's not, Jesus would not agree with the coexist mindset, okay? So that's a big one. When we're praying, we're praying to God. And it's the children of God whose prayers are heard. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible would say that the prayer God hears from you is the prayer of repentance. So I can pray like my friend did. God, I've really messed my life up. Will you change me? That's a salvation prayer. After I pray that prayer and God, I'm now a child of God, then all my other prayers uh, light up with God. He hears everything else, okay? So Jesus lays this down again. You'll see this a bunch of times in his teaching that he, it's a monotheistic God. It's the, it's the triune God of heaven. It's, it's all Jesus believes in and all that he teaches. So I'm praying my Father who is in heaven. That's where I'm zeroing into. So when I pray, I pray to the God of heaven. It's very appropriate to speak to the, our heavenly Father. It's very appropriate to speak directly to Jesus. It's very appropriate to even speak to the Holy Spirit. But that's, that's God. That's the triune God or the Trinity, okay? So this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. Then he goes on. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus would say this. This then is how you should pray. When you pray, you should start with God, not yourself. You should start with God, not yourself. 
So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed would mean this. It would mean um, glorious. It would mean perfect. It would mean holy. It would mean righteous. It would, it would mean um, beyond understanding. It would be it would, it would kind of take all those concepts that we would register with us a little bit and mash them together, and that's hallowed. You, you are who I am not. So I glorify your name. I praise your name. You are holy. You are good. You're right. Take every description of God and kind of mash it together, and that's, that's kind of the concept of hallowed. Your, your name is that great and that wonderful. So Jesus says that's what we pray. I, our Father in heaven, you are who I am not, I glorify your name. I start with God, not with me. So my first position of prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done. I wanna come before you, remove distractions, I'm not babbling, right? I'm positioning myself with my Father in heaven and then I'm remembering I am before the presence of God. And God, you have authority over my life. God, it, it, I'm here to submit myself to you, not to ask you to submit yourself to me. God, I am here, this is, a, this is an act of worship. It's a, it's a sacred act, a holy act. I am praying to you. And Jesus would say, that, that's how you pray. That, that you, you're, first I'm dialing in, and the, the biggest question is, God, who would you have me be? The biggest question is not, God, this is what I want you to do. Now, when you think about your prayers, most of the time when we pray, it's because we want something. And we're gonna see here in a minute, that can be very appropriate. Most of our frustration with God is because he didn't give us what we want. And that frustration comes because we didn't position our relationship with God correctly. Because my relationship with God is not, God, give me what I want. My relationship with God is, God, make me who you want me to be. And whatever that process is, I will engage. James chapter one. Okay, so Jesus, this is how you pray. You position yourself this way. You start with God, <coughs> not yourself. Then he goes on, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then verse 11, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. So Jesus would say, now, this is how you pray. Pray for your needs. It's very appropriate to pray for our needs, right? So if you have a health problem, it's very appropriate to pray for that problem, uh, if you're looking and saying, I don't know how we're gonna pay our bills this, this month. It's been a horrible month and I plow snow for a living. It's been a horrible month, right? I don't know. It's very appropriate to pray that God would meet your financial needs. It's very appropriate that, that you would pray that, that God would supply. That, that's great. In fact, the Bible would go on in other places and it would say, cast all of your anxiety and all of your care, make all of your requests known to God. It's even <clears throat> appropriate to pray for what you want as long as God doing his will supersedes that. So if you look and say, God, I would, I would really like, we'd really like to buy a house in, in a different school district because we really want to lock it. That's a great prayer to pray as long as we're humble enough to accept that God wants us to be in the district we're already in. So that works. Your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done first. And this is my request that I make known to you, okay? I read one commentator. He said this. This is a great quote. He said, he said, we're to ask God for our daily needs, not our daily greeds. We're to ask God for our daily needs, not our daily 
greeds and all the, all the name it, claim it garbage that you'll see on TV and, and reading bookstores of, if you want it, just believe it and God will give it to you. Find that in the Bible and I will give you my house and pay the mortgage for you, right? It's not there. And that's not prayer. Uh, just going to God and saying, here's my list of, I want a better car and a bigger TV and a nicer boat, and my hair to grow back and my husband not to be fat anymore. And that, that's, that's not gonna happen, right? That's greed, it's not need. Coming to God with request is fine, but it's under do your will in my life first. So Jesus says, pray this way, okay? Your will be done, heaven as it is on earth. Give us today our daily bread. And then he goes on in verse 12. And the next thing Jesus would say is this, that we are to pray with a humble heart. Look at verse 12, it's fascinating. He says, forgive us our debts as we, forget, as we have forgiven our debtors. And then <clears throat> Jesus almost kind of clarifies verse 12 and verses 14 and 15. So he elaborates a little bit more on it. He says this. He says, for if you uh, forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Now attach that back to verse 12 and forgive us our debts as we, have, we also have forgiven our debt." So I'm praying for the forgiveness of my sin. And then Jesus kind of caveats a little bit. And he says, now, don't forget, if you're unwilling to forgive someone else, your heavenly father's not gonna forgive you. What is he saying? He's not saying that forgiving other people is a prerequisite to receiving the forgiveness of God. What he's saying is forgiving other people is a byproduct of receiving the forgiveness of God. So if I harbor bitterness, anger, slander, brawl, slander, every form of malice, if I harbor unforgiveness against another person, what that means is I've actually never received forgiveness from God, right? Because I cannot have a hard heart toward another person and have a soft heart toward God. First John tells us this, I can't say that I hate my brother and I love God. Love and hate cannot coexist. One will always displace the other. And this is the idea that Jesus is leaning into. So when I pray, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, pray that for God to forgive us our debts. This is what happens. I'm to pray for the forgiveness of sin. And this is what I do. I try to do this on a daily basis. I ask God to forgive me my sins. And this is what I do. I try to name my sins throughout the day. So God, for, I was greedy, I was selfish, I was egotistical, I was callous, I was, like, I'll try to go back throughout the day and kind of think through how my day went spiritually and I'll try to name the sins. Now, I don't do that because if I don't, if I forget to name one, then God doesn't forgive it. Nor do I do that because I feel guilty. I'm not a guilt-ridden person. I do that because it humbles me. And what I realize is that everything I'm frustrated with another person about, I am standing in need of forgiveness from God from. Heidi, she's so self-centered, I can't believe it. God, thank you for making me righteous and holy and not self-centered. Can't do it. Because so when I'm over here and I'm like, God, here's the five times I was a jerk to my wife. Forgive me. And I, I'm, I forgive her. Who am I to hold a debt when mine has been paid? See how that works? 
So it's a humility, it's a spiritual humility that Jesus is driving at. And I'm, I'm recognizing the depth of my need for forgiveness and that the byproduct of that is I also forgive my debtors, those, those who are indebted to me. And it reminds me, positions me in my consistent dependence on God. Last thing Jesus says then is this, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That word temptation in the Greek language that we translate it, the Bible into English from, it can be translated a couple ways, and probably the, the word that would ring most familiar with our modern vernacular is the word testing. So lead us not into, ten, into testing, or another way that we would probably say it today is we would say, lead us through testing and deliver us from the evil one. And this is the, the spiritual idea that Jesus is driving at. If I'm zeroing in with God, so I'm synced up with God, I'm trying to align my heart with God, I pushed off all the noise, blah, 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 and I'm humbling myself, I'm locking into my Father, I'm asking for His will to be done, the first thing that's gonna happen is the evil one is I'm gonna go up high on the radar. And temptation or testing is gonna be brought to my doorstep immediately because Satan hates everything that you're doing. And so Jesus would say, know that, you live in a spiritual war zone, know that, and you're gonna need help. So pray for help, pray for spiritual help. God, lead me through this testing and deliver me from it. I don't want to fail. I don't, I don't want to be drawn back into my old habits or my old addictions or my old ways or uh, uh, the way that our relationship was broken before we came to know Christ. I don't want any of that. The temptation's going to be there because I'm zeroed in and wanting to be who you call me to be. Lead me through it and deliver me from that attack, right? So I'm looking for spiritual help. So Jesus, talking to people, pray all the time, right? These people, they pray, man, they are prayers. He said, listen, this is, we want to unplug this stuff, the show-off stuff, the look-good stuff, the distracted stuff, the good luck stuff. Like, that's not, that's not even prayer. That's, that's maybe religious noise. This, then, is how you should pray, see? You should, you should zero into your relationship with me. It, it's about you understanding my will for your life. It's about your humility and your needs and the help that you need. And that's the prayer. I want you to pray without ceasing. I want you to pray that way kind of all day, every day, because that's the relationship that you and I have. Now, it's fascinating. If you got your Bibles open, look at the next verse, verse 16, and what's Jesus start talking about? Starts with an F, ends with asking fasting, right? So G Jesus is there, and he, he's prayer and fasting. It's connected. And he's looking and saying, yeah, now he, he instructs how to fast. He kind of unplugs some things about fasting, but it's connected. So when we take our two habits that we're working on, and we're going to connect them. When I'm fasting, and I notice the absence of the thing that I habitually want or need, no coffee, no sugar, no TV, whatever it is, you know, whatever you decided to deprive yourself of on purpose for the purposes of spiritual growth, when I miss it, I go to prayer. What do you mean by prayer? Well, this is what Jesus meant by it, okay? So he meant, he meant these things, not these things. This then is how you should pray. And I'm gonna plug these things into my life, okay? 
Now guys, when we think about all of this, I think, I just wanted to like kind of put it back into a big picture. So flip over to your Bibles quite a bit to the right to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four. It's page 840 in those Bibles in the chairs. And this is just a reminder of what prayer is. So verse 14, chapter four, Hebrews. God says, "Is therefore since we have a, a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Right, this is huge. So when Jesus says, pray for help, pray for humility, well, if Jesus was here teaching us right now, he might say, that's what I did. I'm Jesus. I mean, that's what I did. I, I, I removed distractions habitually. It was my custom to get away with my father, and I prayed for help. He didn't pray for the forgiveness of sin. He never sinned, but he certainly prayed for help and temptation. He prayed for help to go through the testings and the trials that were in front of him. He, he recognized the, the power and the wonder of who his father was. So Jesus, the scripture saying, you ha- we have a high priest, Jesus, who empathizes, like he, he needed to pray the exact same way that you and I need to pray, and he's Jesus, right? So prayer, he needed to, he needed to consistently have interactive conversations with his father, and, and he did. So we would need to do that also, and then here's the cool thing. So he says, let us then, because all that's true, verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I'm worshiping this, this hallowed be your name. I'm worshiping this glorious, powerful, other than me God as his child. So I approach that throne of grace with confidence. When I was looking at this, I thought of this picture. Maybe you've seen this picture over the years. There's JFK, and then that's his son, right, playing under his desk. And I find that picture fascinating. It's, it's a little bit of a view of how God works. So the President of the United States, this, this is at the time, bar none, the most powerful man in the world. It's the President of the United States. And how is his son interacting with him? As his father. See, he says, I'm just in the presence of my dad. And this is, a, this is a little bit of a picture of how prayer works. I am interacting with the creator of the universe. I am interacting with my savior, Lord, King, Jesus Christ. But I go confidently into his presence, see. There was a standing invitation between the most powerful man in the world and his son. That's how his son wound up there. I can go into my father's, he's the president of the United States, he's my dad. I can go into his presence whenever I need or want to be in his presence, and I am welcomed into his presence. Dad lights up. He's glad to see me when I walk into his presence. And that's our relationship with God. We're going into the presence of God, and we need to be aware of that. God, our heavenly Father. Jesus, our heavenly brother. The Holy Spirit, our heavenly helper. There's an invitation that's there, and I need to take it, right? And this is what Jesus is driving at. He's like, I don't, 
don't come into my presence and say dumb stuff you don't mean. Don't come into my presence and, and like have an appointment with me and you're kind of paying attention to me a little bit of the time. Well, I'm, I am God. But when you want to share your heart and you want to hear mine, the door is always open. And I, I want you to do that. Pray without ceasing. I would love to spend the day with you. I would love to help you. I would love to strengthen you. I would love to give you guidance in the big stuff. God, what's my big next life move? And in the little stuff. I don't know what to do with my four-year-old right now. Right? Because I'm your father. In any way that we can interact, I cherish it. And so should you. Right? And, and this is all provided for you. So I want your instinct your habit, your reflex to be to come into the throne room of grace. Pray and be with me, okay? All right. So what we're going to do, I'm going to pray for us corporately, and then I'm going to encourage you to spend some time praying on your own. And the band is going to create some space for us to do that. So let's kind of practice what we've been talking about. And think about some things that Jesus may have unplugged in your prayer life, some things that need to plug in. You can even look at your notes if you want, kind of think about that a little bit. But let's just go be with God for a few minutes. We're gonna close the doors, literally. <laughs> and we're gonna, we're gonna call this our prayer room, right? And let's remove distractions, put the phone away. You don't need a cup of coffee for the next seven minutes. You're gonna be okay. And, and let's just spend some time with the Lord, okay? All right, let me begin that time and then you continue it. Jesus, we love you. Help us to do this. God, thank, what an amazing, loving God you are that you would actually teach us how to connect with you. <laughs> that we don't walk around in the, this mystery and we're guessing, but you just lay it out for us. God, help us one minute a day. Oh, Lord, we get to be with our creator God. So God, help us as we double down on this habit as we fast, as this becomes our reflex. And God, interact with us as we interact with you, deepen our relationship with you, and change us through it. Help us to do that even in these moments, Jesus.